0: Hi everyone. My name is Johnny McCormick and you're listening to Spoke. This week in the show I'm joined by Dr. Simon Clark. Simon rose to prominence on YouTube when he started sharing vlogs and insights on his experience at the University of Oxford. He did that in the hopes that he could inspire more people to apply and get in successfully. Since attending Oxford, Simon has gone on to complete a PhD in physics at the University of Exeter and has continued to develop his YouTube presence. In our conversation this week, we talk science, YouTube and life in general. It's a fun conversation. So without further delay, let's jump in. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. It's a real privilege to have you here. Oh, it's
1: my pleasure, Johnny. Uh, it's taken a while.
0: Uh, do we Should we talk
1: about how I've been utterly incompetent at replying to emails uh, <laughs> and my thesis got in the way and about a million other things went wrong But this? This was meant to happen in July. I
0: think. Well, let, let's let's not dwell on it. Let's not dwell on it. Um, I suppose it's a good it's a good uh, point to say, though, congratulations on getting your thesis submitted. So we're officially talking to, I believe, Dr. Simon Clark.
1: Yeah, which I'm still not used to. I mean, I haven't I haven't graduated yet. I've done all the steps now of the process. Um, I have done the you know done the Viva well submitted, done the Viva, done the corrections, uploaded it to the university system, and now the only thing I still refuse to call myself it uh, until I graduate. But yes, in all in all but graduation, uh, I am um, I am Dr. Simon Clark, which still feels strange coming out of my mouth. Yeah, um, very
0: good. <laughs> Congratulations! You get to wear a funny coloured robe, which is always nice, I think. Yes. Yeah,
1: I do. Which is uh, And the floppy hat. That was the main motivation to do the PhD,
0: really. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Simon, I always like to kick off the show by giving my guests the opportunity to introduce themselves in their own words. I, d- I don't like to try and make any um, assumptions on what you do. I'm sure um, you wear many, many hats. So I'll hand over to you for a minute or two and you can introduce yourself if that's okay.
1: Sure. Uh, So I uh, am a YouTuber primarily. Um, I have been making YouTube videos since 2010, um, which started out being about uh, helping kids get into Oxford and Cambridge University. So I I went to Oxford to study physics. um, And I I came from a family where no one had been to university before. And so I thought I had sort of an interesting perspective and trying to help kids from backgrounds like mine um, by just talking about my admissions process and um, you know what I thought was the best way to prepare for the interviews and that kind of caught on and I did several videos on that and then later when I started my PhD at the University of Exeter I, I did videos on what it was like to do a PhD and a little bit about the science that I was doing and now I've graduated that's that's morphed into doing a, a kind of an equal mix of science stuff vloggy type stuff and also book stuff I've, I'm a bit of a, a bibliophile so I've, I've been doing book videos for a while But then on top of that I'm, I'm also a podcaster so I have a podcast called the Wikicast, where uh, a friend and I go on wikipedia click the random article button and then chat about what we find um so that's fun uh and then I also do some streaming I I'm that's the only place I am referred to as dr simon clark's so that's my um Uh, Twitch username, twitch.tv forward slash Simon, uh, Dr. Simon Clark. And uh, that's an experiment I've been going through past papers for maths and physics exams uh, and basically talking through how to solve the problems uh, with uh, with pen pen and paper, um, which as far as I can tell, I'm one of only two educational channels on Twitch. There's me and there's a uh, there's a channel called Climate Scientists Play Fortnite, uh, who <laughs> I really want to join because that sounds really fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so so I, I do all of those things and sort of so so I'm kind of a, a scientist by training. And I try and use my training and um, sort of the knowledge that I've acquired over my degrees uh, to put them into interesting uh and interesting bits of science communication across various platforms
0: simon do you want to say a little bit about the type of science you do what your um studies and your research have been on
1: yeah so my uh research was uh in my my phd was on stratosphere troposphere dynamical coupling which is a subset of atmospheric physics so um i was basically looking at in layman's terms how the weather at about 30 odd kilometers above the surface in the, the the polar regions in the north the northern hemisphere affected the weather at the surface more broadly in the northern hemisphere but generally around the poles um so it, it was a, quite a specific niche within atmospheric physics um and that atmospheric physics itself was a broader niche sorry uh, sorry a niche within my broader studies of physics at um so I, I, when i'm i did my master's project it was in uh it was also in climate science and atmospheric science which was in stochastic models of linear stochastic models of climate um but i also did theoretical physics so well in my degree i did basically every form of physics there is the oxford course is a very good primer um and then, yeah, I also, I also did uh, my fourth year uh, theoretical physics, which was mostly quantum field theory, which I still don't really understand, but uh, <laughs> that, that which is why I decided to go down the atmospheric route. Um, so it's, it's dynamics is what I do. I, my, I, I did the PhD because I like playing around with equations with with pen and paper. Um, and there are some very relatively simple equations that you can use to describe much of how the atmosphere works. And so I just fiddled around with those for a couple of years, basically.
0: Wow, great. Um so Simon, do you want to say also just a little bit more about your YouTube channel? I think that's how um if any of my audience do do know you, that's probably how they will how they will know you. And it's certainly um how I came across your stuff. I've been um you know a subscriber to your YouTube channel for a number of years now. I find it really, really interesting content. But you know, I'm not a scientist, I'm obviously just sort of a a, a lay person that's interested in the content that you produce. But do you want to say a little bit about why you decided to get into YouTube and how your content and your videos have evolved over time?
1: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I said briefly, you know, that why I decided to get into it in, in terms of the inciting incident, which was it was basically a social justice thing to begin with. But going beyond that, um, I, I've i always been a massive film nerd um i I still love films um and from a young age i used to do scripts and storyboards and concept art for things i wanted to make but when you're a kid and particularly you know a kid pre internet because this was in the 90s so the internet was around but v- I was only very dimly aware of it um there wasn't a, w- a way of making your own movies in any way um you know it, it, it didn't matter how how small the budget was i just had no access to the expertise or the equipment um and so when i started at university i realized that my um i had a, i had a stills camera which also had a movie mode and, and shot in about 240 pixel uh, format um so I had the most rudimentary tools to use um and i I thought you know let, let's let's give it a go um I've, i I want to try and make my movies and so wh- I think in what I do I probably approach vlogging particularly uh, with a bit more of a kind of a cinematic kind of bent to it it's not um I mean the biggest inspiration to my vlogging style was Casey neistat and he himself is a filmmaker and he has he has made Sort of feature films um but he definitely approaches it as more of a, a gonzo type um uh, style whereas i i am sort of slightly distinct in that sense but I, I feel like that's sort of a the the love of cinema is kind of got gone as a thread through the stuff that i make to date um but you know that's that's evolved as well um because you know you can't do a book video in in a cinematic style really it doesn't for a variety of psychological reasons um you know you you, the youtube is its own format and you have to accept the limitations and the expectations and preconceptions that people have about the the website um so in terms of sort of why i make videos it was that that was the kind of the inciting incident um and the um background to it um but then it's evolved over time because i consume a lot of youtube i think because youtube now they actually show your stats unfortunately in the app so i know i watch about four hours a day um wow. and you know I, uh, and I'm, that's surprisingly less than some of the people who follow me. Uh, some of the people who follow me were, were, had substantially more YouTube uh, on in their sort of watch time than I did. Um, so the more I, I watch the, on the website, the more that my personal style changes. And then it also changes how you view the content, um, which can be a bit of a problem, really, because I view stuff on YouTube differently to how the average person views it, because not just because it's my job but also because I just watch so damn much of it um you know it's, it it can be difficult to sort of keep in your mind's eye what does the average person think about youtube um but yeah i mean that that that's kind of um that was that was why i got into it yeah
0: so you mentioned this sort of strong social justice element simon was that because um Whenever you were coming round to applying to Oxford University, you were out there looking for information that simply didn't exist? Or what was the reason that you thought, you know what, I'm going to talk about my experience of getting into Oxford University and I'm going to put that as a video on YouTube?
1: Well, I mean, there was two things there. There was firstly that I was desperate to find out anything I could, um, because I went to a school where we were actually lucky enough to have a teacher who um, would try and help us through Oxford admissions, but it was still a state comprehensive school. Um, You know, we'd never sent anyone to Oxford for the physics course. For example, um and, and so you know, compared to schools like Eton or Westminster or what have you um we we didn't have the support, we didn't have the information um, and the university has always you know well, certainly in recent history has always tried to get that information there and help people with the decision making process of whether they want to apply in which college and which course and what have you um but it but again, you know it, this was two thousand and eight when I was applying, so it was. You know, the internet was a thing and it was still kind of popular, but it certainly wasn't as developed. It wasn't Web 2.0, um like we're in now. I suppose you could argue we're kind of approaching web three whatever that is. Um, you know, so so the information wasn't really out there. And specifically, I back then also watched a lot of YouTube and I watched um a, a lot of vloggers, so people like Charlie McDonald and Alec, now disgraced Alex Day uh, and Philip DeFranco and people like that. And When I searched YouTube for stuff on Oxford University, the only stuff that was on there was from the business school. It was the the business school doing things like MBAs, and it made these videos targeting professionals. Um, And, you know, I I watched pretty much everything on that channel, even though it had no relevance whatsoever to my undergraduate degree, Um, because I just wanted to sort of get some kind of perspective on what it was like to go there. So, yeah, I, I just saw there was a massive gap in the market. I thought, I can do this i can be the, the person who when i when i was at oxford I, I thought i thought that i can be the person who does that vlog that i would have wanted to watch that was really what that sort of guided me at
0: the start it was trying to make the content that i would have wanted to watch before i applied did you simon expect that to take off so quickly and um as you know i suppose and gain the uh sort of the the large following and the large audience that it has now
1: I mean it didn't grow very quickly to begin with i mean the first video that i put out i distinctly remember watching the view count crawl up to 100 views um and you know it, the, the the growth was very very slow to begin with what what was interesting actually was that uh for the first two or three years probably the channel the biggest growth spike was always right when interviews happened right when oxford and cambridge were doing their interview season in december there would be a big kind of spike in this and grow a little bit um uh, But what really took off the growth of the channel, because, yeah, there was there was several years, the first three years probably um, of just a little bit of growth and a few subscribers here and there and i've probably done a handful of videos probably like five or six um and i eventually decided to do the oxvlog project which was doing one vlog a week um specifically trying to give a boots on the ground perspective of what it was like to be at oxford and that was distinct from what the university was trying to do which was i think of as a very top-down approach it's showing you the the broad facts about the university whereas which is a very important and it's the most sort of essential part of an outreach strategy um what i was trying to do was to provide the everyday experience the this is what your university halls are going to look like this is what your um you know going to hall is is like how far what's it like going to lectures on a day-by-day basis um and doing a video a week uh, it just gradually kind of accrued this following over time of particularly people who were interested in applying but also people who just sort of found the life at the university interesting um And that was when the channel sort of started to tick up growth quite consistently. Um, There there were a few periods of relatively explosive growth in the history of the channel. I I think um, one of them was when I did a day in the life uh, at Oxford video, which started out quite modestly. And it's now my most viewed video. It's got like one and a half million views or something. Um, But when I released that, that, that sort of seemed to go quite well. I think someone posted it on Reddit. Or something like that and um that was like a big spike um and then uh, later in the phd there were a couple of videos that i released and sort of you know a, a not, not a bandwagon effect but someone would share it and there'd be a cascade of new subscribers but so so at no point really has it felt like i suppose at the moment actually the past couple of months it has felt like this i was going to say it hasn't felt like big growth consistently um you know the past couple of months i've been growing by several thousand subscribers. Um, a month um whereas before that it was very low levels of growth and then these big spikes every now and again so i've never really it's, it's been over such a long period of time that i've not really considered it a um massive sort of uh, growth in the audience the, the quote that i like uh, which is very true for me is that uh, overnight success stories uh, always take a long time um, and it's, it's, it's very, very true in the, in the, I think some people do see sort to of see me as this creator who recently has, you know, because I had a big, a big kick recently from a video I did, um, suddenly kind of emerged as, as a, as a bigger channel, but I've been doing it for nearly 10 years, you know? Um, so I've, I, I've never thought of it as being kind of accelerated growth apart from those, those growth spurts, if you like, and they have their growing pains associated
0: with them. Sure. Do you, Simon, um, Have you heard from any of your audience or anyone that has, you know, I suppose, taken what you've shared in your videos and applied it and got into Oxford as a result of of that? Like, have you seen any of that pull through that you were hoping for? And has that been been shared with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've had several subscri- subscribers email me saying, uh, that uh, you know, they, they were very excited to say, you know, oh, um, I I just got it, and I just wanted to email you and let you know you were so helpful and everything like that. And you know, you get these occasional emails of people being incredibly sort of thankful for it, and you know, very very excited. But then, what what sort of communicates it more to me is the um the people in the comments who just say um you know, I've been watching you since before I applied and now I'm in my final year at Oxford. You seemed, I see those relatively frequently. So I, I, I don't have a way of really quantifying it. Um, but it, yeah, I, you, I've seen a substantial number of people who have actually, yeah, had the advice work in it and it been successful. I mean, to the point where when I went back to Oxford a couple of years ago, um, I, I was doing a talk at my old college, I think. And then I was around long enough to go for a drink in the evening in the, the college bar. And, uh, I had quite a few freshers recognise me and sort of get quite excited that the Simon, the video guy, is here. um So you know that that's quite cool. Oh, or the last time I was in Oxford, actually, was like about uh, six months ago. I had a bunch of physics students get sort of starstruck in the in the street. First time that's ever happened actually. These guys were like asking for a um, a selfie and everything, and they they seemed like legit kind of kind of starstruck. And I was like, dude, I'm just a guy
0: on the internet. You can you can chill. <laughs> it's just it's just me. <laughs> And have you, Simon, have you had um, either Oxford or Exeter, we did your PhD, have, has anyone sort of from the university or any of the faculties reached out to you and wanted to understand how they could maybe um, help you develop your content in a way that might benefit the university and their outreach programs? Yeah,
1: Um I've done stuff for so the thing with Oxford is there's the university level system, the whole umbrella. And then there's the, the college level, which is brought sort of you can kind of think it's like being like departments. And the um, my college is I've been quite active with and doing some stuff. And I've made videos for the college um, given talks and things like that. And they've appeared in my videos and using me as a form of outreach. The college has been very active in that sense. The university, not so much. I did one event as an outreach thing, um, which was only about two years ago. and And it seemed that they were, that the phrase, um, in the email they sent me was something like, I've only just got permission to talk to you, which makes me think that, uh, they were aware of me, but they were hesitant to, to work with me. And I'm still not quite sure why. Um, so yeah the, oxford not so much Exeter, um i've done uh, quite a few things with and i've had meetings with their social media team and i again i did some videos for them and um i hope to be doing some more stuff in the future as well um but uh Probably about as much as you expect, actually, for a big August institution like a sort of a well well known university. Um, yeah, I would like to do more. I would particularly like to do stuff with the physics department, in particular. And when I emailed them, they did seem very keen to do something, but that seems to have, have petered out for the time being. Um, I need to get back in touch with them.
0: Simon, you've mentioned um in a few videos that I've seen that I've seen you in um that following your PhD, you want to move into this role of being. I can't remember the exact terminology you used, but like a science content producer or a, a, a YouTube scientist, a public scientist, that sort of thing. Can you share a little bit about what you what you mean by that and why you think that's an important role to fill?
1: Um, I mean, when I say sort of what I mean by that, I, I mean making stuff in a broad sense of the word, which improves the universe in some way. That's my basic criteria for what what I make um and that can be educational it can be entertaining ideally it's both um but it has to by by dint of me having spent time on it it has to have made the the universe better in some way. That's basically the most odd way I can put it. And that can be videos, it can be live streams, it can be talks, podcasts, whatever. Um, sometimes that's a very specific goal. Like with the podcast, the goal is to try and get people to be not scared of maths and science and to help them with their um, exams. Um, with stuff on YouTube, it's a bit more amorphous. And I'm sort of, I often try and do stuff which kind of, I don't know, I guess changes the meta is probably the, the right way to think about it. And um, changes how people think about science um and how it's communicated and t- doing that through vlogs was the thing i was doing recently i've now moved my t- attention more over to the live streaming um that's sort of the the what um the why is because i think the the most important the most dangerous thing in the world is ignorance and not understanding other people's perspectives and not having access to information and when ignorance uh, occurs it is incredibly dangerous. Um, You know, the, the saying is that ignorance is bliss, which is unfortunately true. And it's unfortunate because when people are ignorant, they tend to make stupid decisions. Um, I'm not going to reference several things in the world which could be described as being uh, the result of mass ignorance. Um, but safe to say, if the world was a more informed place, which better understood the way that other people look at the world in particular, um, I think it'd be a, a much better place to live in. And so personally, I view that then as as meaning that the most important thing I can do with my time on earth is to try and make the world less ignorant and make it understand other people's perspectives. And I think kind of a key linchpin in that is making people think in a way that is more scientific. It's making them think in a way that actually accounts for evidence, uses logical processes and doesn't just regurgitate what they've heard before and that that's something which i sort of try and do in my videos is uh, the emphasis is much more on the process on the method than it is on the actual outcome um the most popular stuff i've done it's been a little bit frustrating because the the people in the comments seem to be fixated on for example i did a video on um which star wars planets could could really exist um based on planetary physics and um, atmospheric physics and talking to a friend of mine who's at nasa and people seem to be fixated in the comments on yeah but you said this about this planet um which is like you know it's, it's a moon not a planet first of all and secondly in the law it states that such and such and it's like you've missed the point the point isn't whether or not the planets could exist the point is that you now understand so many more things about the way that planets work and how star systems work um, it's the method it, it, the science videos aren't about the things they say they're about or these good science videos aren't um and so that yeah i'm trying to in my videos trying to make people think more scientifically and trying to make them in a way i'm trying to make them make themselves less ignorant um and yeah i just i think that that is the most important thing i can do and because of the stuff that I'm good at, which seems to be communicating um, and sort of from a technical perspective, video editing and writing, um, I am in a position where I can actually do something meaningful. Um, And so I'm just, I'm just trying to, as the adage says, take the change that you want to see. I'm trying to make the world a better place by the best way that I can. You
0: have shared lots of different different sort of content style videos Simon I think in your channel one of the 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 things that stands out to me most having having watched a number of your videos over the years is a um, number of years ago you did a, a, sh- a short series on sort of mental health um, and sort of that that idea of mental health at university or mental health as a you know, an undergraduate or a scientist at university, studying, or maybe you're a graduate student at the time. Apologies. Why did you think it was particularly important to share something about that through your channel?
1: Um, well, I think it's an it's a very important topic. That's that there's there's two aspects to answering that question. One is that it's a very important topic, and it is that there's still a huge stigma about mental health, um, which is can be just as damaging to to a person's life as the physical health, physical ailment. Um, and so it's, it's a topic that I was very keen to kind of portray. The reason I was keen to portray it is that I suffered, um, my mental health suffered greatly from being going to Oxford, which is a very common thing. Um, mental health is uh, a, uh, a massive problem at Oxbridge, which the university, to their credit, is trying to do something about. But at the end of the day, it's a pressure cooker of incredibly difficult work and bright students who are all trying to outcompete one another. And you just end up burning out and working yourself to death. Um, and in my case, in my fourth year, it got particularly bad. I had a, a panic attack at the end. I, I was self harming and I was in a very, very dark place in terms of my mental health. And so I had a personal crusade of sort of a lot of the people who watch my channel are going to competitive universities. They're going to Oxbridge. They're going to be under the same stresses that I was under. And I wanted to, had for them to avoid what i'd gone through um i made the mistakes they didn't have to but the second aspect to it is that my channel on youtube and i think youtube broadly is most effective because it is a personalized format um youtube is like the world's campfire where anyone can come to it and tell a story and anyone can come to you and listen for free um and certainly it was the case it's becoming less the case now with the with the, the the way that various parameters are going on on the website, um, and various copyright laws, um, it, it was the case that YouTube was this personalized website, and the content which did the best was the stuff which was most linked to who you were as a person and wasn't an act in some way. Um, it, people people saw the honesty in in content, and they saw, um, be people being real, you know. And I felt like that's, for example, why I I mentioned him before. Philip DeFranco has been quite. Has been, has been as successful as he has because he tells it the way that he sees it um uh, wow I, I sound like i'm talking about trump um uh <laughs> you know he, he he says what he thinks and and it is his personal opinion and that personal aspect is what drove people to him and why he was successful on youtube so i i thought that i would use my platform on youtube to tell that personal story with the goal of sort of that that, that, the, that goal of. Um, awareness of mental health and trying to get kids to avoid making the mistakes that i did um so yeah that that was kind of th- th- there's like a broad why i did it and then why i did it specifically on youtube was because of the peculiarities of the website um and you know i i th- what i thought would be effective
0: did it take a a lot of thought on your part simon to um actually hit the you know the publish button on something like that i think there's Um, you know there's obviously a big differentiation in sharing content around how young people can apply to and get into you know top tier universities and um, some of the science stuff that you share on your channel compared to sharing what is actually a real sort of intimate look into how you're coping with those things so I know you've shared um that the, the reason you were able to do that is because YouTube is a platform that encourages that sort of personal aspect. But did you have to put a lot of thought into whether or not you actually wanted to give people that access or give people that insight into your life?
1: Um, I view my personal life with kind of a, a dispassionate interest. So <laughs> I, I, I just don't really care about myself all that much, to be honest. Um, I, I, you know, it, 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 I, I feel like, there's, there's probably a psychological name for it, but you know, I kind of view my personal life in in uh, in a way that some people view their bodies, where it's just they look down. It's just like yeah, it's it's, it's a tool. It, I, it's here so that I can be here. Um, so in terms of putting the personal stuff out on on YouTube, I don't think I've ever been scared about uploading um, a video like that. The stuff which has made me nervous to upload and really hesitate to click the button is the stuff that I'm actually very proud of and i know that if it does badly um i will be devastated by um and so uh, at that and the science stuff the, the science stuff where i know that if i get it wrong i've misled a whole bunch of people um and i've made myself look stupid in the process um but so, so that's the stuff which makes me draw pause before i i I press um upload the stuff that's yeah the the most personal things like my draw my life um and some of the stuff that i talk about in in the 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 book reviews because i feel like book reviews are a very personal kind of this is this was my personal relationship with this object that i was this relationship that i was in for 20 hours with this uh, this inanimate object that can be a very very personal thing but that's always the case of is it done okay good click it's uploaded um whereas yeah with the science stuff it is like oh oh, very hesitantly yeah i think that's that's okay right let's let's go um which you know i'm there's probably in some of the some of the stuff that i talk about there's probably like 10 people in the world who would be able to call me out if it was wrong um so which is so it's obviously a little bit illogical but yeah when, when it comes to the personal stuff um I, I think I've always been more comfortable talking on camera than I have been talking to a person, anyway. Um, and uh, you know, you do, you you don't think about the audience that you're sending it out to. You don't send it. You don't consciously think that this is like screening a thing in front of t- two football stadiums. You know, which is the size of my audience now. Although you know, about ten percent of them will click on a, a typical video because, you know, sub subs don't actually seem to matter all that much. Um, you know, but you, you can't think about that or you'll never do anything ever. You'll be completely paralyzed. So you just develop that kind of, the only person that you're trying to impress is you in the viewfinder. And if I'm comfortable and I'm impressed by what I see, um, then it's fine, you know? So yeah, I, I suppose I don't think uh, about the, that the personal connection. But even if I did, it's just a bit like, I don't, you know, you could make about what you like about my life. Um, I don't particularly care about it myself, so you know, it, it's fine. It's, quite, it's a nice way of being. I'm quite glad that I don't. I don't get all stressed about it. I hope I don't now that you've asked me that question.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've suddenly unleashed this, you know, wave of self-consciousness um, and uh, your vid- your videos will be few and far between now, I'm <laughs> sure. So all, all your fans will be reaching out to attack me. Um, no, yep. I'm, I'm j- joking, <laughs> obviously. Um, Simon, can you just, um, just circling back to your PhD and your sort of your, you've talked about it being a niche within this overall field of um, physics. Can you tell us just a little bit about how long, you've invested in your education, like how long has that journey been? And then also why you decided to get into something that is just so niche. So you've shared, for example, (laughs) that for some some of your science videos, there's only 10 people in the world that would be able to call you out if it's wrong. You know, that is incredibly, incredibly niche stuff. Can you just tell us a little bit about why you decided to dedicate so much of your time and effort to doing this?
1: Well, I mean... (sighs) Why did I get going to something so niche? Well, I, well, I saw so I was at Oxford for four years. I did the I did the M-fiz, so it was an integrated masters, and then my PhD was just over four years. Um, I tipped into the fifth year. I had an extension because of a supervisor problem. Um, uh, so it's it's a long time, you know. I haven't been this year is the first year I have spent out of the formal education since 1994, I think. Um, so yeah it's it's a lot of investment and in terms of how i got into this something so specific is you just fall into it i don't think i started even the phd really thinking i am going to do something specifically about dynamics of stratosphere troposphere coupling and using quasi-geostrophic theory you know i started the phd with a broader well a broader still obviously quite niche um And atmospheric physics and knowing it was something to do with the stratosphere um but what what i've found is that as you go through your education basically from the age of about kind of 14 onwards you just find that you start narrowing and thinning what you're studying gradually and gradually and gradually you know you go from 11 or 12 gcses to three or four or five a levels and then you go from those three or four or five subjects to one subject university. And then within that subject, if you do a master's, you specialize to one or two areas and then you just kind of, you know, you're not consciously doing it in in some ways. You know, when I chose to do atmospheric physics, it was just because it was the stuff that I found interesting. I, I didn't consciously really choose to do atmospheric physics. I did in the sense that I literally put down on, um, Uh, like a like a form to be like yes that's what i want to do but the decision had been made for me by my experiences today um so i mean i ended up specializing because it was i just followed what i thought was cool really um and with the case of the phd the projects which were available and it was what my supervisor um wanted me to work on so there was a bit of a, a shove in from from that sense um but you know, I, I I guess I ended up doing something so niche because I just, en- I tunneled down. I didn't, well, no, I didn't tunnel. I fell down. And eventually, you're going to end up in the narrowest crevice possible, and you know you lodge. Or if you, if maybe a better analogy is, it's like throwing a stone into a canyon. You, eventually, it goes down through the main bit of the canyon into a sub bit, and then into a, a small um, a subsidiary part of the canyon, and then smaller and smaller. And eventually, it lands in a crevice. Anybody who finishes a PhD is a rock at the bottom of a canyon. It's at one part one tiny little crevice of the canyon but it's still in the canyon um and it was gonna land somewhere just because gravity um so yeah that that's that's how i ended up doing something so so outrageously niche although now i'd like to point out that i am i have consciously backed out of that um i am now in the stuff that i do doing doing more br- cool um and stuff which i passed on my journey down the canyon i went oh that looks good and then it whipped by uh, at about 80 miles an hour um so yeah it's, i don't know i hadn't thought of it really but yeah i never really
0: consciously ever ever decided to get into something so niche and now i'm, I'm trying to pick myself out of this hole you've mentioned this idea that you're sort of consciously trying to not go as niche um as as you have been over the past couple of years do you feel this sense of freedom now simon to pursue just the sort of the things that capture your attention that day that week that month without being locked into writing this sort of mammoth thesis
1: yeah i mean i feel like the format is the bigger change than the um The subject matter per se, really, because you know, well, it's nice and it's not nice in the sense that I, I I was in education for so long, a bit like scripts uh, in the Shawshank Redemption. I was sort of fully institutionalised got to the point where, you know, I needed an objective, I needed a deadline. And with the thesis, it's like in three years, you've got to submit this huge piece of work. But then there's all those sort of smaller deadlines in the way. Now, I just have the deadlines that I set myself of, oh, I want to get this video out next week, or this one the week after that. Um, and so it's, it's, it's kind of overwhelming having that choice in some ways. Um, I do, in, in a certain sense, miss the certainty of going into the PhD office and knowing what I have to do, and how it fits into a broader, the the broader subject and brought my phd um it's it's so it's a little bit scary in that sense um but i'm kind of warming to that having that that freedom that flexibility um and in the stuff which i've done in my videos i have i suppose always been quite broad i i, I did the phd vlogs and the the stuff to do with my my research because it was basically the easiest content that to make i didn't i just had to put a camera on whilst i went about my life um whereas you know now i actually have the time to do all this other stuff so this is the stuff that i think i've been in my head writing and making all along but it's now i actually have the time to do it um although interestingly i recently sort of consciously decided to steer myself a bit more down the route of. Atmospheric physics because the stuff when i have gone a bit too broad uh in what i make and strayed a bit too far from what i become known for you the view counts do suffer and people don't seem to pay attention to it despite how good it may be and i think st- the stuff i've been making recently is the best stuff i've ever made um no one's watched it so it doesn't matter um so i have actually decided to kind of focus in a bit more specifically on atmospheric physics and you know specifically on climate change because it's a buzz topic it generates a lot of interest people want to know about what they can do and what the science is going to be and um you know it, it that that's kind of an economic decision really but it is yeah it it's sort of con- that is consciously specializing a little bit although there are p- plans which i can't really talk about uh for future stuff which is more atmospheric physics a bit more broadly which i think is going to be more interesting for me and a bit more popular for the audience but we'll have to see um so yeah but it's by turns terrifying and liberating it's a bit like the moment when you've gone through a tutorial in a game and suddenly you're out in the open world like in GTA. you've done the, the start mission and now you can go anywhere and do anything you want and you go what what the hell do i do i don't i, I have i have no guidance i have to try and pick a quest now um which yeah it's it's, it's obviously great and it's that's ultimately why i decided to become a youtuber is because i value the freedom i had in my phd i valued the fact that i could choose when i worked and i could direct my own research and and do my own individual original projects which there is basically no jobs where you can do that other than being a freelance
0: creative Um, so that's why
1: ultimately i'm doing what i'm doing it is just a bit terrifying
0: (laughs) Mm, yeah absolutely and we look forward to um seeing what some of those future projects are simon I, i i wonder simon if you could um speak to the Simon Clark from 10 years ago. What's one thing that you would um say to yourself? So I suppose what's one thing that you wish you knew then that you know now? Bitcoin. I would tell 10 <laughs> years ago Simon to invest in Bitcoin. Uh
1: no oh what would I what would I tell him? Um I feel like I would I would the thing I would impress on me where as I started out would be to say you you've got a natural knack for this. Trust yourself for one thing, but also specifically do the weekly vlog thing sooner. If you start doing a weekly video blog sooner, because the simple fact of filmmaking is that your first hundred films suck. uh, And then the the hundred after that are a little bit better. And then the hundred after that are kind of okay. And the only way you get good at making YouTube videos is by making them. And so, I would tell myself to make as many as possible to do regular upload thing and to not necessarily worry about how good they are just to do the best job you can and to keep trying to improve. Um, And by the end of my PhD, but, but by the end of my degree, let alone the PhD, I would have had a much bigger audience. I know because people respond to a regular upload schedule. They respond to there being a show, um, and the fact that there are so many study tubers now, there are so many YouTubers who do this at university, um, uh, m- much more successfully than I ever did at a university. Um, it shows that people are interested. And so if I just, if I just started doing it a little bit sooner, if I'd start sort of defined that genre, because as far as I can tell, I was the first one to do this at university, um, which I feel a bit bad for because I've now joined a, I've sort of spawned a generation of mostly mediocre vloggers. Um, but if I just started a little bit sooner, I could have really ridden a crest of a wave, I think. Um, so I do have a few regrets about that. But yeah, apart from Bitcoin, I tell uh, past Simon to just make something every week. And
0: you'd be amazed at what would have happened in four years. The benefits of consistency and, of course, the benefits of hindsight. Um, Simon, I'm wondering if you can share who some of the people are in your life that have had the biggest impact in your life and why that has been and what that's looked like oh blimey
1: uh i mean this is like an oscar acceptance speech now i mean obviously my parents uh my my parents have been unfailingly supportive and wonderful and i couldn't wish for a a better mum and dad um i love them to absolute bits um so this and and they you know i I think in particular my mum because my dad was in the navy so when i was a kid i didn't see him all of that much um for quite a few years um and so she was the one i think who, who in his absence kind of tried to do super parenting she was she was two parents in one and and in particular got me really interested in books and films and got me questioning things and just the whole scientific way of thinking and the people who have generally had the most impact on my life um, are educators in one way or another. I think my year five teacher, Mr. Knowles, Damien Knowles, um, was a big influence because he just believed in me. He was like, him saying to my mum, like simon could go a long way like he's he's bright like i i think just knowing that an adult other than my parents actually believed that was was really significant um and then at university well at, at secondary school i had a maths teacher called Miss, mrs skirm sue skirm um who was just the most wonderful teacher she she was the lady who helped us with the oxbridge admissions and organized mock interviews that we would interview each other and taught us how to sort of think aloud and that kind of thing as well as being my maths teacher who who just got me good at the tools that i needed uh to use in my degree and again just just believed in us so we, we had a, a third of the maths class of i think it was 13 or 14 people and she believed in every one of us and she she I think like her kids. Um and just really inspired everyone. I think everyone in that class owes her a huge debt of thanks, but particularly me, because I ended up using the skills from maths and further maths um in my in my degrees. Um so her for sure. And then in my my degree, uh one of my tutors was a guy called Garrett Cotter, Dr. Garrett Cotter, who was an absolute lad. Um he was just you know, he he was a bit like half tutor, half much older brother um and you know learning was fun with him uh, you know, he uh, one lesson as in one tutorial, because the way that the Oxford system works is you have your lectures and then you you are given by the department uh, worksheets to do every week. Um, And then the, there are t- two or three or four that you do in it per week. And you then do them, hand them into your your tutors and you sit down with them a couple of days later, either two on one or maybe three on one um, and go through and talk about how you answer them. And then they'll get you to go up on the board and do questions and sort of extend your knowledge a bit. And you know, just doing that in his office was a real treat. It was a real pleasure to be with this one of these guys who's like a world-leading academic in blazars, um, like and uh, fantastic at astrophysics. Um, and just just working through questions on his whiteboard in his office was just fun. You enjoyed it. And then one time we turned up to his office and he looked at me and Helen, who was my tutorial partner, and just went, "Yeah, you guys look thirsty. Let's go to the pub." And so we just did our, our, our relativity, um, I think a special relativity uh, tutorial in the, the pub nearest the physics department. It was great. Um, so, you know, and, and yeah, he, he, I remember when I was applying for PhDs, he was asking me, the, making me ask myself the right questions and maybe feel like maybe I could be a researcher. Um, and so, you know, that, that's kind of just a common theme is that I I don't really believe in myself a great deal i even needed those injections of people telling me that i can do things and that i'm good enough um because solely lacking my own carrots I, i i kind of need their stick to be like no you can do better than this like i know i believe that you can do this um and they've been the people that that have sort of shaped me and got me to where i am now um i should also mention not just because she might be listening outside my door um my girlfriend uh has been like over the past couple of years has been a a fantastic inspiration because she takes the piss out of me and makes sure that i don't take myself too seriously um and keeps me grounded and is yet and yet is always there to support me when i need support um and you know i've i've had a couple of long term relationships and some of them have been good and some of them have been very bad and um this has just been over the past 4 years now uh, has just been fantastically supportive and she believes in me. And I think at the end of the day, that's sometimes all the support I need. So a bunch of teachers and my girlfriend, not just because she might be listening.
0: Yeah, no, I love, I love asking that question because you get an insight into, I think that gives you a real in-depth insight into how people got to where they are. Right. So we've talked about, you know, your channel growth, how you decided on your, your niche specialism within, Um, atmospheric physics and and all those other things but when you actually get down to the humans behind that and the stories behind that you get a really lovely insight into how someone has ended up where they are so thanks so much for sharing that with us Simon and um, I'm wondering if I, I normally like to end the the podcast with just a few sort of quick fire no think questions so they don't require a lot <laughs> okay. of yeah and don't worry they're not they're not particularly controversial um, so they don't require a lot of thought and you can speak for as long or as short as you like about them so probably do I don't know three or forward does that sound okay
1: yeah hit me with, I, I'll, I'll keep my answers
0: short and rapid fire so you can do as many as you want <laughs> perfect so what is your favorite thing to read maybe your favorite genre your favorite author and why
1: uh well, my favorite author is at the moment dan abnett because he does um Stuff set in the Warhammer 40,000 universe, which is my guilty pleasure. And he is the best at doing
0: really grounded, well written, but very dark science fiction. I I feel like that's just given me a completely different insight into you now that you've mentioned Warhammer, but uh, but we don't have time Ah, to. Oh, oh, (laughs) we don't have time to unpick that particular uh, particular wound at the at the moment. Um, So, Simon, can you give us a little bit of an insight into what your morning routine looks like if you have one? So my morning routine is mostly
1: determined by my girlfriend, uh, because, uh, she's a teacher. So I get up at six 15 every morning. Uh, and whilst she's, uh, sort of ready for school, we both have breakfast together. And when she leaves, cause she gets there sort of early to do work before the kids get there. I normally try and go to the gym. So I'm at the gym from sort of seven till nine ish. Um, but recently I've, I, I, I feel terribly, um, uh what's the worst hypocritical for saying that because i haven't gone for a few weeks because i've had a chest infection that's what i dream of going back to um but yeah breakfast gym come back and then immediately by hopefully by nine um get on doing emails administration and then hopefully just going straight into making stuff which is normally editing
0: perfect and then this actually might be a question that your girlfriend could give a different insight on but what's your most annoying habit (laughs) um
1: oh god i'm sure she could give you a whole bunch of answers to that (laughs) one um i i think to her i think the only way i can answer that question fairly is is from her perspective i think to her the most annoying thing is that i spend too much time working and that she doesn't see me all that much because i work from home i'm almost always in the office and if i'm not in the office i'm almost always on my laptop or on my phone looking at something um and and a sort of my i'm switched on and i i very much struggle to be switched off and i think that's quite a common thing to YouTube creators particularly the, uh, those of us that work from home um but yeah i'm always i've always got one eye on on how i'm performing online uh and it's something that i wish i could change but that's probably the most annoying thing to her
0: that i can talk about Sure. Um, and one final one then is when was the last time you sang to yourself? And do you remember what it was that you were singing?
1: Uh, it was earlier today. Um, and it would have been, Oh God, that is the most me answer. Imagine. Um, <laughs> it would, it would, it would have been earlier today and it would have been the Aria batter my heart from Dr. Atomic by John Adams. Um, because I was, I was a singer for four years, um, at university. I was a choral scholar and, uh, my mum's an amateur opera singer. And so I've grown up with music everywhere. And so I'm I'm not a classical music snob. I, I basically just like music that I like. I like stuff from all kinds of genres and I don't bemoan other people for liking other stuff, but I am into some pretty niche bits of classical music um so uh john adams is my particular thing at the moment if it what it's worth before that it was probably all-star by smash mouth when i was in the shower
0: <laughs> yeah that is uh that's quite an eclectic ec- eclectic songs there you've <laughs> you've just mentioned I, th- I think actually simon you know maybe the theme of this podcast has been uh simon clark's niche interests maybe that's maybe that's the <laughs> the title the title of oh, this that, episode oh you're
1: giving me the idea for a video now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well please uh please credit me. I will I will trademark that immediately after this podcast. Um, I will link Simon, you in the description, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, I always like to And hand over to my guest to close out the show and just share how um, anyone that's listening in that wants to get a little bit more insight into who you are or maybe wants to connect with you, how they can go about doing that. So I'll hand over to you for a moment or two and you can share any information, links or um, social channels that you like.
1: Well, I mean, if people want to get in touch with me, I am almost always on on Twitter. So uh, that, that's probably the best place to get a hold of me. So that's twitter.com uh, forward slash uh, I'm, well, I'm at Simon Oxfiz. and my YouTube channel is the same. That's youtube.com forward slash Simon Oxfiz um and now yeah i'm on twitch so i'd be interested to get people coming in on the math streams that's me going through past papers for maths and physics and trying to talk through how you answer these problems but that's twitch.tv forward slash dr simon clark um so those are like the main things i do i am on other platforms um but those are the ones that i'm sort of most invested in um and if you think that i'm not a complete nutjob after this then hopefully you might like some of the stuff i make um i hope i certainly hope you do
0: Perfect. Simon, thank you so, so much for um, being so generous with your time and joining us on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. It's been my pleasure to be here. It's been a really, really fun chat.